Hello everyone, welcome back to ESPN Scrum 5, ESPN's weekly podcast review of rugby in the Southern Hemisphere. I'm Andy Withers, hosting the podcast once again, joined by my colleague in the office, Sam Bruce. Hello Sam, how are you going? G'day Andy, yeah, great to be back on uh, Scrum 5 for another week and uh, welcoming back an old friend this week. Yes, yes, a very, very old friend. Brett McKay, hello Canberra, how are you? Hello guys, how are we going? Yeah, very, very good, and uh, quite possibly not as well as you, given the result at the weekend, I think. How were those pies on the sidelines? Uh, they were sparse, <laughs> is, is, the, is the answer there. There were there were few and far between at the footy stadium. Outrageous. Well, let's get well, into it. Let's get into it, and uh, first point, and the reason really we have Brett back on that is to gloat a little bit. Um, the Brumbies have completed a season double over the Waratahs, first win at Allianz Stadium since 2007, and I also believe um, the first time the Waratahs have lost three successive games at home since the same season. Brett McKay, your uh, your thoughts on the Brumbies? I thought they were really very, very good against the Waratahs. Yeah, no, I c- certainly agree with that. Uh, it was a it was a game that they needed to come out and and almost laid in a statement. You know, they they were they were smarting after the loss to the Chiefs there two weeks ago, and um, because they and, and I and I still don't think they necessarily played that badly, but it was the the magnitude of the loss. Um, coupled with the the sheer brilliance of the Chiefs on the night, just sort of made that uh, that that pain go a little bit deeper. So they they need to come out and um, and really play play with, with with intent against the Waratahs, and I think they did that pretty well. They're, they're, the way they started up the game, putting those, those two tries down the right hand edge, you know, in the first 15 minutes, um, you know, showed that sort of intent. And then when the Waratahs did come back at them, they had the ability to. Uh, to, to change their game plan and, and almost dig in, if you like. So their, their second half defence, I thought, was was absolutely brilliant, and um, you know that was a it was a really strong performance. Um, they'll be feeling, you know, pretty confident again uh, after that as a result. I think had they have dropped that game, then you know suddenly they go into the the Crusaders game this weekend down uh, down here in Canberra, and they'd be feeling a bit shaky. But now I think they'd, they'll, they'll go into this game uh, pretty confident. Yeah, and. Brett, one of the things we've been we discussed on the podcast last week was that the lead into one of the key games of the Australian Super Rugby season, uh, the Brumbies versus the Waratahs, and there was no build-up. Um, what was Tar Week like down in in Canberra? Quiet. <laughs> Is that surprising? Was, um, I, I know um, I know Grado wrote, wrote the same thing that it's that, that Tar Week just doesn't feel the same thing anymore, and and I noted that um, back in round two when they played, and I. I said to I had a chat with Chris and Lily Fano one afternoon. We we're walking to walking to the car park, and I just said, "Is it just me, or does this does it feel like you guys have paired everything right back this week, this year?" And he said, "Yeah, we have. We sort of we're probably guilty of um, you know maybe maybe egging ourselves on too far um, in the past, and maybe getting too wound up for it. So they're actually perhaps expended too much energy in the preparation, and that maybe affected the way they they played and and." And after they'd lost, you know, they'd, they'd lost the last, you know, four straight previous to this year, including, you know, including a game in Canberra last year. So, you know, they sort of felt like they had to change something, obviously. And so they've just treated it as another game. Um, Scott Fardy told me in the, in the lead up to, to the game on the weekend that, you know, it doesn't matter who you're playing, you only get to play for four points. So, you know, there's sort of no point treating it, 
it's, it's not double points against the Waratahs or anything like that. And he even said that if we if we beat the Waratahs and lose the following week, then it doesn't make any difference at all. So um, they really scaled things back. It's it's definitely a different approach to to how uh, how Tar Week has traditionally been treated, but um, it's it's worked a treat this year. They've got uh, they got the results on the board twice. Yep. Sam, I think one of the, the key things from that I took out of the fact is the fact that the Brumbies actually achieved such a good performance, and particularly at the breakdown, without the master of the breakdown. David Pocock obviously suspended for this game. Yeah, it was a pretty impressive collective effort, I think, Andy, from um, Scott Fardy, Jared Butler, uh, and um, the number eight, whose name has just totally popped out of my head at the moment. Um, Brett, who am I thinking of? Jordan Smiler. Jordan Smiler was very good, very physical and aggressive. In defence, um, obviously Jared Butler got a late yellow card, which slightly blotted his copybook for the game. But um, you know, I thought they were—they did everything right around the breakdown. They really hustled the Waratahs, didn't let them get too much of a flow on, um, and try and work into that power game that they like to play, and and really what they've struggled to play this year, the Waratahs. So yeah, a fine effort from the Brumbies, and and as Brett mentioned, to bounce back from that that game against the Chiefs and and really sort of recapture a bit of momentum heading into the Crusaders on Sunday. Brett, Sam's just mentioned the Crusaders. That's another team that the the Brumbies have got a fine record uh, or a a fine history against uh, all all those great games in in the past and and grand finals. Um, The Brumbies are treating this as just another game as they did with the Waratahs? They'll they'll certainly be saying that, um, but they will also know that the Crusaders have got a very good record in Canberra um, you know, over the over the history of um, over the history of Super Rugby. The, the Crusaders have won. I'm very good looking through the list here. I can see five wins in Canberra, including the last two. So, um, you know, the Crusaders have got no fears about about coming to Canberra. They never have. So, the, the Brumbies will need to treat this basically as a, as a playoff game. They'll, they'll need to. Um, to make sure they start well, uh, they, they'll know the Crusaders. Even if they do start well, they'll, they'll know the Crusaders will come at them uh, with that ability. I, I've been, I, I've been quite, um, quite surprised, dumbfounded even by the Crusaders because I thought they, I thought they were going to be a mid-table team this year uh, with with so much turnover of, of playing staff and and um, you know a little bit of uncertainty around the coaching. And all. I, I, I thought this would be the year that the Crusaders probably come back to the pack and. You know, arguably they're they're playing better than they were last year. They're certainly playing better than they were this time last year. This is probably the fastest Crusaders start we've seen in in ever. They're notoriously mid-table around around round nine. So um, they're a really really good team. They've got so much talent everywhere. It seems to be just dripping out of the uh, out of the guttering there at um, <laughs> at Rugby League Park in Christchurch. And uh, yeah, it's it's one of the things. And Sam Bruce, a quick shout out that uh, we have an interview with Jordan Taufur ahead of this game. So that's yeah. um, that's something we're really going to be looking forward to. And and, uh, and discussing the changing of the guard in in Christchurch and. Uh, Quite possibly the, the the guard may well be as good, if not better, as it was with those the, the departed legends. Um, guys, probably just for the time being, enough about the Brumbies, and, and let's have a look at the other team from that game. And, and Sam Bruce, um, we've spoken at length the past couple of weeks about the Waratahs. Um, they're looking like they now need to win eight of their nine remaining games, and um, that's surely. A stretch too far, given that they've got a tour of South Africa and, and more games against New Zealand. Um, best season's done, isn't it? They can't make the finals. And just the way they're playing, Andy, you know, they're just so inaccurate in how they're playing, uh, handling errors, 
uh, seemed to continue each week. I think Paddy Ryan dropping the ball at the finish of that game to, <laughs> after the siren has really sort of summed up their season. Um, their way off. I thought Will Skelton was better coming back in last week. I just felt like he started to get a bit of a, a run onto the ball and, um, you know, rather than getting it standing still, which has sort of been the trademark of his game the last uh, 12 months, you'd have to say. Um, yeah, obviously criticism of Michael Hooper in the lead-up from Bob Dwyer. Whether that's warranted, um, I'm not sure. Uh, just a, a shout-out, we'll have a, a yarn uh, detailing that on ESPN this week and comparing him to his efforts last year and also mm-hmm. the number sevens from this year. Um, and, of course, we saw Israel Folau at, at 13, which was probably you know one of the, um, the, the good talking points for the Waratahs to come out of that. I thought he was was pretty solid in his first outing in that position. Um, got roughly about the same touches, but um, it's going to be that quality of touch yeah. he's, he's able to get and, and not having to you know just go the up and under on the counter uh, as so often is the trend in, in rugby these days when bringing the ball back from uh, from fullback. So, yeah, um, but in terms of their season, geez, it's, it's a stretch. I know they'll be saying this to, to keep a positive you know, mindset and really you know try and make something of this season, but... Um, you know, I, I, they're gone for me, yeah. Yeah, and uh, shout out there as well to a piece already on ESPN, Sam's Pick and Go piece uh, about Izzy Falau. Uh, a very, very good piece. Brett McKay, um, what have you made of the Waratahs from that slight distance? There's Certainly the, the, the game just gone against the Brumbies. It's, I was almost surprised when you look at the final score that there was only six points in it. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's probably a fair comment. I, I think I, I think the, the scoreline probably flattered the Waratahs a little bit. That's not to say that they were that they were poor, but I just I think there was more than six points in it, um, and that probably tells you more about the the second half defensive efforts of both teams, I think, than, than anything. Um, what, I, what I've noticed at the Waratahs this year that it is that there's a, there's been a, um, a a pretty clear change of attacking focus, and it's pretty clear that that Curly Beal is very much driving where and how they're going to attack now more so than Bernard Foley was and that's probably out of necessity in that Foley missed the first you know month or so and so you know they had to rely on Beal particularly with uh, you know with, with Dave Horwitz in there as well so that seems to have transferred even now with with Beal playing at inside center I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing and 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 Beal probably had his best game in a couple of years for the Waratahs on Sunday night I thought he was really really good what what has been interesting is that is to observe the the regression of their set piece, and that's always been a, a strength of the Waratahs game. But their scrum and their lineout just looks a, a shell of um, of a former selves this year, and, and that's been quite disappointing and, and alarming, in fact. So, yes, um, that that said, there's some some really good young players coming through, and we've probably seen the benefits of the NRC straight away there for the, for the Waratahs, and straight away you think of. Yeah, Jed Holloway, Jack Dempsey, Tom Robertson, um, Andrew Kellaway. I think we're all really, really good on Saturday night. So um, it's, it's worth, it, you know, they've, they've lost four. It's worth noting that um, after round nine in 2014, they were four and four. So And then they went on a run from there. So it's still, it's not out of the realms of possibility, but the big difference this year is they've already had both buys. So their record at two and four looks worse than it probably is. So... They can still go on a run. They only they only have to only have to go to South Africa for a week, um, and then they've every time they they leave the country, they come back and play in Sydney again for the rest of the year. So even when they go to to Christchurch to play the Crusaders, to Tokyo to play the the Sunwolves, they come back to a home game in Sydney up straight after that. So um, they're 
their schedule for the rest of the year actually isn't too bad. So, you know, you you couldn't rule it out, but gee, it's going to require a, a fairly major upturn in form uh, from here. Yeah, and no, I think that's the thing, isn't it? As, as Sam's alluded to, it's it's not just the fact that they've been losing it's, it's almost like the manner in which they've been losing and yeah, um, yeah. that's a, that's a, a massive turnaround in form um, guys one of the teams that has had a massive turnaround in form um, at least since the start of the season Sam, the Hurricanes um, round one they came to Australia and were just dished up by, by the Brumbies, uh, the Brumbies were sensational but as good as the Brumbies were the Highlanders were were just way, way off the pace. They have just returned to Australia for the first time since um, and put on a Brumbies-style dishing up of the Rebels. Uh, one of the key things I thought was was passing, that the ball was always in front of, of the man, whereas the, the Rebels, it was just drilled into the players' midriff. Yeah, big turnaround from the Hurricanes. Um, certainly uh, losing that game first up to the Brumbies, and then I think they went down to Dunedin and, and lost a tight one down there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's it's the execution of their skills. Um, Bowden Barrett was really good last week and sets up a, a good game against Aaron Cruden this week, probably the game around the Hurricanes and the Chiefs uh, this weekend. But um, yeah, we're getting a really good contribution from their back row. Obviously, Dane Coles is by far and away the the premier hooker Absolutely. in world rugby and, and just what he offers in terms of almost a, an extra back rower. He's um, he's just that much quicker than, you know, probably every other forward in the tight five on the planet, I think. Um, the emergence of a young uh, Fafita, I think it is there yep. at number six. Um, Artie Sevilla's obviously been very good after rejoining from the sevens. TJ Perinara, a wonderful support player that we've we've spoken about. And, and even when they've had a few injury concerns, in the outside backs, you know, they've got guys like Matt Proctor who can come in and slot in, and, and the, the mixture of, of centre pairings that they've used as well um, has sort of been working for them pretty well. So, yeah, they're, they're bubbling along nicely, the Hurricanes, and, um, you know, I, as I said before, I'm really expecting um, their clash with the Chiefs this weekend to be uh, something pretty special. Yeah. Brett, I guess one of the, the big talking points, at least at the start of the season, and you would have been there for that round one clash against the Brumbies, is obviously we've got a, an all-new centre pairing, and as, as Sam just alluded to, it's several all-new centre pairings as they are trying to cover the absence of Ma'ar Nonu and uh, Conrad Smith. Um, how do you reckon they've been going there? Because certainly, as Sam says, they seem to be coming to a bubble really quite nicely. Yeah, they've. I think they've. I think they've actually managed this situation quite well, and and, and they've probably. Um, and I'll probably say that even since. The first, the, the, the losses in the first couple of rounds, they've sort of, yeah, you know, they've played a combination for for one week, maybe two weeks, and they've sort of tweaked it, and they've you know, guys that started start, start at the start of the season have come off the bench, and vice versa, and they're just trying to, I think, work out. Well, they're probably they're probably as much trying to get, you know, starting experience into guys as much as they're trying to work out what the best combination is. I mean, um, you know, a guy like Nani Lamape who has come across from come back to, to rugby from the. Uh, from the Warriors um, under 20 system, Matt Proctor's been around for for a while. Vince Arso started at outside centre at the start of the year. He's been playing 12, so they've just sort of tweaked things around nicely, I think, and and, and that seems to be working well. It's probably it's probably keeping the young guys on their toes. Um, it's not not giving them a chance to you know, to think they're entrenched, think that they're they're the guy that's going to be wearing that jersey for the rest of the season. They know they've got to keep working hard each week to um, to, to impress Chris Boyd, and 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 I think. Chris is actually doing a, a decent job there of, you know, just 
as I say, just just managing these young guys in the centres, and they're um, and they're, they're feeding the back line well. I think they're as a backline unit, they're looking a whole lot more cohesive now than they were in those in those losses in the first the first two games of the year. And um, you know, obviously, there's some good experience there with you know, Bowden Barrett and uh, you know, Corey Jane out in the wing, and obviously Julian Savi has been in and out as well. But it just seems to be working, and you know, all the all the concerns that were around the Hurricanes at the start of the year have very quickly disappeared, and um, you know they're they're ticking along nicely. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. I interviewed Chris Boyd straight after um, the round one loss to the Brumbies, and uh, we asked if there were any positives out of that game. And um, you know, you get used to, to coaches and players trying to gild the lily, and he was quite on, quite honest. He yeah. said, "No, there were no positives to, to come out of that game." No. Um, clearly, that. Eddie, you, you remember I, I spoke to Chris Boyd in the lead up to the to the semi final last year, and, and I had a quick chat to him in the tunnel before the game in, in round one, and we just sort of had had a quick chat, and you know, good to see you, that sort of thing. And, and I just said, you know, who, who's the guys to look out for? And he just said, have a, just just keep an eye on these young centres. There's a, you know, he said they're a long way off, this, off a finished product, but you know, there's there's going to be some quality there. Yeah, it's. Um... Uh, it's something that we're all going to be looking forward to for the rest of the season to see how the Hurricanes continue. Um, Sam, as much as the Hurricanes were really, really good uh, in Melbourne, they weren't the talking point, were they? Um, <laughs> what do we what do we make of the sandpit that they played on at Amy Park? It's an absolute shocker, isn't it? Um, we've had some uh, some great stories about uh, surfaces. In this country, across the various sports, um, I remember a, a Davis Cup encounter against Russia, I think, and old uh, Evgeny Kafelnikov described the grass court uh, might have been in Brisbane as a potato field. Well, um, this, as you said, was certainly a sandpit um, and just a disgrace. I, I have grave fears for how Amy Park is going to hold up for the test um, between the Wallabies yeah, for sure. and England uh, come June, which should be a great day because it's going to be Melbourne's first test at a rectangular venue. Um, the scrums are one thing, but um, it's just, you know, ripping up when players are stepping too. And, um, yeah. you know, poor old Julian Sevilla <laughs> tripped over and what is actually was a gully there about five metres out from uh, the try line when the Rebels scored the opening try. I think it was about the only way the Rebels were going to score a try last week was via the, uh, with some assistance from the surface. But um, in saying that too, I was watching the... Um, the, the Monday Night League between the Roosters and, yeah, uh, it was and the pretty ordinary as well, wasn't it? And the Sydney Football Stadium surface, the Allianz Stadium surface is pretty ordinary as well. So, yeah, there's some major concerns there for the Test Series, and I'm not sure how you can uh, improve it in what have we got roughly, well, ba- pretty much bang on two months to the day before, um, you know, England arrive in Melbourne and then um, Sydney the week later. Yeah, Brett McCarr, I don't know whether you're into horticulture and uh, maintenance <laughs> of, of garden lawns and so on and so forth, but... Certainly, that pitch uh, in Melbourne it, it brought to mind, you know, the, the stories we had a couple of years back of, I believe it was nematodes, wasn't it? Was the the word yeah. today at, at Murrayfield? Um, I'm not sure if I think there's talk of perhaps there's a grub in um, uh, and, uh, in the, the pitch in in Melbourne, um, but it, it's not a good look, is it? And quite apart from the good look, it's. From a health and safety point of view, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's and and Dane Cole said as much um, to, to to the referee there on Friday night that you know that both packs are slipping and and someone someone could end up in, in a with a really serious injury there. Um, I mean, there was there was a situation there in one scrum where where the ball got stuck on a on a divot and uh, in, the second, in, in the second row and and TJ Perinara is looking up at the referee saying, "Can I reach it and get that?" And the referee sort of 
he didn't say it, but he, the, the look was, well, no, you can't, but if you don't, I don't know how we're going to get out of here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, fortunately, Victor Vita breached in and picked it up and, uh, and, and they got out. They look, but it's not a good look at all. It's, I'm certainly no horticulturalist, but this looks like a classic case of some sort of undersurface, you know, fungus or, or, or pest that's got into the root system because it's, as soon as there's any pressure on the surface, it's the root structures underneath that are completely disintegrating, and that's what's causing the um, the complete roll-up of the of the top surface. And and, and we're seeing a, a big difference in the way the different sorry the, the way the different games um, you know tread, if you like, on different surfaces. Obviously, in the A League, they're, they're all they're all very much you know ball skimming across the top. It's it's, it's quick action. You know, guys will be wearing moulded boots mostly. Um, guys will be wearing moulded boots, mostly playing rugby league nowadays as well. There's certainly no pressure coming out of the scrums. But as soon as you find, as soon as you have rugby teams on there with screw-in studs, longer screw-in studs in the case of the forwards, then it just gets ploughed up like a, you know, like a scarifier. Um, and the real, the real concern, like Sam has just said there, thinking ahead of the test, is that there's really no opportunity to do anything about it between now and then because there's going to be a game. On the, on the ground every weekend between now and then, between the Melbourne Storm and the Rebels, um, even with the A-League wrapping up in the next few weeks, there's still going to be traffic on there every weekend. What, what it looks like it needs is, you know, basically a complete resurfacing, and you can't do that in, in, the, in the sort of time frame that we're looking at. So uh, I, I don't know what on earth they're going to do, but it's, it's going to require some, um, some kind of miracle. I don't know whether we need to start praying for our friends in Melbourne and the, and the, the grass they've got down there, but... Uh, desperate times call for desperate measures, I think. Yeah, uh, and it might be you, the fact you know what a scarifier is. I, I think you've, uh, you, you, you're well <laughs> qualified sure, to, to join sure the ground staff. I'm colleague in the office knows full well what a, what a scarifier <laughs> is. We, we country boys, we'll just, we can just talk about this forever. Chisel plows, disc plows, mate, the lot exactly. we go all day. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah, I, I, I'm just feeling suddenly lost and uh, almost, almost <laughs> thinking of, of all the memes that probably we ought to be dishing out on, on this pitch. But um, finally, guys, the, the, the fifth point, and a, a little way away from Australia and New Zealand, but really like to discuss the Lions. This is a, a, a team based in Johannesburg that I think all three of us developed a, a, a little bit of a, a crush for last year for the, the way they played. Um, they're going really, really well, aren't they, Sam? They're, they're top of uh, their, their um, South African conference. They have toured New Zealand. They've just beaten the Sharks and the Stormers back-to-back. They're playing a really non-traditional South African brand of rugby with a little bit of ball in hand and, and link play. Um, are they South Africa's leading charts? Oh, they are, and the big point is to make that they've been to New Zealand, they've been to Tokyo, they've uh, had those wins over the Sharks and Stormers in recent weeks, so they've really on, only got to go to Buenos Aires and um, the, for the last time when they leave South Africa. Um, and they've proven the last couple of weeks, I think one of those games uh, was at the Sharks they beat on the road yep. in Durban. They've shown that they can win away from home. So, um, you know, with the, with the Sunwolves uh, coming to them and also the uh, Kings, they've I think... They've got uh, home and away against the Kings. Uh, so um, you know, they're in, a, in there. they're in a very, very good position. And um, I think the big thing for them, uh, we all know we spoke... And I think, as you mentioned, the crush that we had for them last year was their back row in particular. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's the emergence of Elton Yankees mm-hmm. at number 10. A, a guy nicely, who's... Nicely pronounced. Thank you. Yeah, I've been working on it. Um, who came onto the scene and was pretty much touted as being a future Springbok. And right from when uh, he debuted in the Curry Cup, I think. Yeah. And probably got a little bit, um, you know, overawed by all the expectation 
early on. But um, with a few more Curry Cups under his belt, uh, and I think the Lions did win the Curry yeah, Cup yeah, last year, um, and certainly a few more Super Rugby seasons as well, he's really developed into a good all-round player. And um, I think he's given that little bit of direction there and also allows them to play a little bit more of a free-flowing game plan, which is probably catching their South African counterparts off guard a little bit. And, um, you know, I think uh, if Alistair could see uh, he's looking to change things up at Springboks level when he gets the, the guys in for their three-test series against Ireland in June, that um, he'd do well to look at just what the Lions have been doing this season. Yeah, Brett, they, I mean, we've, we've got a piece coming on the site from uh, Ferdos Munda in South Africa about um, how Alistair Kutzer is looking to evolve South African rugby um, and the style of play of the Springboks. Do you imagine he's probably going to be looking at more of the, the Lions players or potentially is it that teaching old dogs new tricks and will shoehorn some of the existing players into a new game plan? Oh, look, I, th- I, think he'd be, I think he'd be mad not to try and look at the instincts. And, 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 and you, can, you can throw that out a bit further to the, to the way the Stormers and the Bulls have been playing the last two weeks as well. They've been playing uh, most un-Stormers and Bulls-like, if, <laughs> that, if that makes sense. I, I've, I've been... Um, I'm having to change my, change my thoughts on the Bulls particularly. I thought they were a pretty limited team until... You know, a week or ten days ago, but but they've, they've they're starting to run tries in from everywhere now. But, and the Lions been doing that all year. They've scored twenty three or twenty four tries for the season, but they've been scored by fifteen different players. So, you know, it's not like they've they're, they're just going down one flank and you've got a wing with eight tries, something like that already. Their their leading try scorer is Lionel Mapoe in the centres with three. So, you know, they're really sharing it around. Um, they're playing really strong. Um, you know, strong ball in hand rugby. Their breakdown is excellent. We've known that for for a long time, but it's like everything's it's everything. It's like everything's flowed. It's a it's it, it's very it's very similar to to how I remember when Jake White first landed in Canberra. He said this is he sort of said you know not in a press conference situation. But he said this is basically the broad plan. In year one, we'll fix the breakdown. In year two, we'll fix the set piece, and then you know attack and everything will flow in year three and four. And he largely followed that. And the Brumbies still have that strong breakdown set-piece game to follow. The Lions have had a strong breakdown for a couple of years now. And now everything's falling into place. They're, they're certainly attacking more this year than they were last year. And they were a pretty good team to watch last year anyway. So um, it's just all falling into place for them nicely. And, and Sam talked about them being in the box seat before. I mean, they're, they're five points clear of the Sharks in Africa too. And I'll put it to you both. I reckon they're two weeks away from sewing up the conference because they're... In the, next, in the next four weeks, they play the Kings in Port Elizabeth, and they've got three home games against the Hurricanes, the Blues, and the Jaguars. The Sharks in that same time are in New Zealand, and they're going to do well to win either of those games to come against um, who have they got? The Highlanders this week, the Chiefs the following week, and then they're back in Durban to play the Hurricanes. So, you know, if there's an eight-point turnaround in the next two weeks, then that puts the Lions nearly 13 points clear. They won't get run down from there. No. No, and uh, well, I'm running down to you, Beth, I think. <laughs> quick, quick, quick shout out to our, our site sponsors there. It's, um, yeah, you, you've, you've swung me, and uh, perhaps we need to be getting back in touch with Warren Whiteley, I think. 
It's a, a, yeah. a player that we all if, enjoyed if the interview with. Nothing else to say good day from us again. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, it, it can't be me who does the interview again. It's um, I've I've um, already spoken widely of my love for the man. So um, that's all we have time for this week. Um, thank you very much, Brett, for your time, and thank you, Sam. Just a, a shout out to everyone that you can follow the three of us on Twitter at Sam Bruce at Sam Bruce eighty six, Brett McKay at BMC Sport. And myself, if you want to follow uh, the rugby and a few Leicester City tweets, <laughs> at Witho68. And uh, obviously, ESPN.com forward slash rugby for all your news of Super Rugby, Aviva Premiership, European Cup and everything else. Thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.